Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the War Room. We got Dez, Kim, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the Hot Block Commander. How you wanna end up one or two hour show to keep the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Vote with the topics, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine, for sports veterans and greats. The 4 for 26, so the war in Kuwait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. So educated. What's good, War Room family? You're once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with my brother, B. Austin. What's going on, B? What's goody? Chilling? Like a polar Eskimo. (laughs) The boy Jimmy's still globetrotting, so he'll be back with us next week. As you all know, or if you're living under a rock, the N- NBA playoffs are in full swing. The talking heads are tripping and shock-jocking and pom-poming after every single game. The NFL draft is coming and going, but we're going to rap all about that. So keep it locked right here as we discuss everything happening in the world of sports. And if you want to get in on the conversation yourself, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash thewarroom. Or you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, at War Room Sports. You can also call us directly in about five to ten minutes after we wrap with Fred Purdue about this NFL draft. Um, you can hit us on the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. But before we get started, we always got to do this. Make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air, and you're just sitting around chilling or you're driving or you're doing whatever you do, if you need some background noise, so make sure you check out archive episodes of The War Room. You can do that on our own network at warroomsports.com and the War Room Sports mobile app. Also on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever, man. All, all the podcast listening apps everywhere places you go. Just just look us up. We're probably there. But yeah, what up, B, man? We lost another purveyor. Of the culture this week, man, the great John Singleton is gone, had a stroke a few days later. His uh, family was taking him off life support, man. What's the deal? Yo, I'm I'm, I'm getting scared, man. I ain't old, man. I don't want to die. Right. My man was 51 years old. It's like stuff like when we were young that we think happened to old people. It doesn't happen to old people anymore. It happens to everybody. So it's crazy, man. John brought us Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, John, Big Boy, you know, all the classics. Um, John Singleton was here. 11. John Singleton was 11 years older than Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford scored 51 in NBA games, and John Singleton dying at 51. Like, I'm scared, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean... I, I walk by this treadmill every day. I think I need to start stepping on that joint, <laughs> doing something, man, because it, it, it is getting scary out here. All right, but, yeah, man, like I said in the open, the NFL draft 
has come and gone. A lot of interesting storylines there. We're going to talk about some of them because we got the homie Fred Purdue waiting on the line to wrap a, a brief wrap with us. If you guys want to hear an in-depth, <laughs> full recap of the NFL draft, you can go to War Room Sports Podcast Network. That's warroomsports.com. Uh, click on that podcast network tab and listen to the latest episode of Cover 2. Um, about a 90-minute recap on there. We're only going to spend about 10 minutes on it here because we got we got, we got got people for that. You know what I'm saying? We can send you places where you can get in-depth things when we don't necessarily have time in our two-hour mothership program to get to everything um, and dedicate the type of time to it that everyone would like. So make sure you check that out. Cover 2. With McMillan and Purdue, that's at the War Room Sports Podcast Network at warroomsports.com. But before we bring Fred on to help us out with our little recap, got to let you guys know the hot topics are brought to you by my bookie, War Room. Let's take a second. Let's talk about how much money you can make betting on sports at my bookie. As I said earlier, the NBA and NHL playoffs are in full swing. So if you still haven't checked out my bookie, the hell are you waiting for? some dough on the biggest games in sports, you can join us and thousands of other online degenerates placing bets at mybookie.ag. If you guys are tired of getting a runaround from other services when it's time for a payout, then we urge you to try mybookie. If you win, they pay. No hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wages after the game starts. That sound crazy? Well, go join now and mybookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus, one catch. All you got to do is use promo code WARROOM, all caps, W-A-R-R-O-O-M, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, get paid, period. All right, so like I said, joining us for our draft recap, we got uh, Fred Purdue of Cover 2 and Quick Slants in the building, War Room Sports, NFL, and college football guru Fred. What's going on, Fred? What's going on? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Everything Chilling, cool and crisp and airy. <laughs> <laughs> we just... <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, man, we just... We here basking in the glory of another week of sports talk. You know, when you do what you love, they say it's not work. Um, sometimes I think they're wrong, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, they're lying to you. Couple of, leave that. Lying <laughs> couple of things. Yeah. Cause even sports get stressful because, you know, we got into this. We didn't know how many idiots were out there, you know, spewing nonsense on a daily basis. No, yo, back, basically so, back when we started, no one told us, no one told us to ignore the comment section. Stay out of the comment section of the YouTube video. Hey, I mean, we call ourselves being a new B. We call ourselves being a new new age streamlined company where we get in the comment section and talk with you and all that kind of stuff. Because if you go to the big sites, you know what I'm saying, you get down there and the guys don't say anything to you and it's not a personal experience. God damn it, were we wrong? Um, anyway, <laughs> draft recap. Just a couple of things that we want to uh, touch on. And and have Fred in the conversation with us about the whole Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, New York Giants, Washington professional football team situation. Um, as everybody knows, uh, Dwayne Haskins was one of the 
um, from Ohio State was one of the highly touted quarterbacks in this year's draft, which wasn't a quarterback deep draft like last year. We all know last season, much to Fred's chagrin, um, the New York Giants selected a running back with the number two overall pick in, which was a pretty deep quarterback draft, at least a quarterback first round. This year, they skip on Haskins at six and reach for Duke quarterback Daniel Jones, um, leaving Haskins out there to fall to 15 to go to their division rival, Washington professional football team, whose fans are over the moon. Uh, it's RG3 part two um, in these parts <laughs> We've these days. Seen this story and, um, <laughs> so, fellas, like, what did y'all think of this whole saga? Because personally, I thought both quarterbacks were a reach at six, but you know, you, Yo, you can't. You I, definitely can't I, blame. Listen, I came to the studio today, and part of the reason I came was to ask Fred. Yo, who is Daniel Jones? All I know is Daniel Jones is locker, <laughs> and that's Davy Jones. That ain't even Daniel. <laughs> Yo, who is okay. Daniel? Yo, who is this dude? The crazy part is, is the the way that the Giants fans are treating him, and the way that other people are treating Giants fans. If this dude comes out and ends up being a Hall of Famer, it's gonna be a lot of crow eating for the next ten to twelve to fourteen to fifteen years. It's gonna be a lot of crow eating, but. I don't think a lot of people foresee that in the future. Fred, what do you say? Man, uh, this one was a head scratcher to everyone. It was there was not one of those. This wasn't a situation. You know how you know how we talk about Tom Brady and we say, well, we knew Tom Brady would be this good and know everyone's lying. Well, this right. is the opposite of that. We knew Daniel Jones. We know Daniel Jones is not all that great. He's probably I graded him out as like a late third. Early fourth, and when I think of when I say that, that's a developmental backup turn starter. Maybe if that's what you get, I I don't understand it. I would have never taken him there. Dwayne Haskins isn't even the best. He's not even. He's a sit him, hope he turns out to be somebody type of guy. Let him sit behind a vet type of starter. <laughs> Yo, or, I, he, I thought I mean, Fred was about to say he's not even Mark. the best quarterback at Duke. I was about to go crazy. <laughs> I was trying to go there, but... <laughs> <laughs> but... No, but do you but, think that the Manning connection means that much in New York? Because, you know, we all know he went to the Manning camp and then he has the NFL. same, you know, quarterback coach as the Mannings. Archie, Eli, and Peyton said I could easily send you to God, but come by the Plaza Hotel, I'm gonna get you a job. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and then call the giant. The name, the last name Manning holds a lot of weight, even if you are compared to the guy that throws more interceptions than just about every other anybody else not named Brett Favre. So you know he, I don't get it. I mean, if I want to be compared to a Manning, it's not Eli. I guess the coaching connection is great. That's great. I mean, to, to me, Daniel, this is this is when you know it's bad. And I was on the Daniel Jones train early because I said, okay, he's coming from Duke. I want to see what this dude's about. His name's catching buzz. Let's see. And for a couple games, I'm like, okay, he's carrying Duke. Okay. Right. And then I mean, when you man, start man, playing, you're not playing here, the – <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, well, you're carrying Duke, but then when the, the talent level goes up, gets ratcheted up a little bit, you know, 
they're in the same division as my Miami Hurricanes, and Miami's offense wasn't great, but their defense was a top five defense, and their defense made him look. They have their linebackers run with Duke's receivers, so you already know that you have to be on time, you have to be in place, and you have to be good, very good. And he was throwing he was throwing passes where the one pass that I remember seeing on film with him was Shaq Quarterman was running with a receiver and he's standing right in front of the receiver and he and Daniel Jones just still guns it in there and I'm like, What are you doing? I mean because I, I have the, heard the from a lot of pundits. I've heard from a lot of pundits, Fred, including yourself, that he definitely wasn't playing with much talent around him. So, you know, he had to do pretty much everything. So do you think some of his bad decision-making that we talked about was just, like, effort-type decisions? Like, like he not going to get open. Like, (laughs) I might as well just throw the damn ball anyway. Here's the thing. With better, with less experience, and but a better physical talent, Dwayne Haskins put up better numbers. Then well, Dwayne Haskins put up better numbers than everybody. He was playing with a bunch of gangbangers with speed. Like, I mean, but he's also <laughs> playing in a tougher conference. He's playing in the Big Ten, where you're seeing yeah, Iowa. That's true. State, I mean, and, and, and that's still a conference. You're seeing a good defense week in and week out. Even being the, the the tough conference like that, that's a conference that Ohio State generally dominates. Um, yeah. Now, can I? But no, can I, I, I mean, can I counter it's, it's your obvious. argument of he, he wasn't playing with anything? Can I counter that? Oh, no, it's not my argument. It's what I've heard. I, I don't know. What, I, I don't watch Duke I, I football. Put this out there. I tune in to see Zion, not Daniel. <laughs> if you want to, to counter that argument of him not playing with much talent, there was a certain, some guy that plays for the Colts named Andrew Luck. He didn't have a lot when he played. He, he was throwing the tight ends exclusively when he was at Stanford. Very similar type of school versus the same type of – uh, talent level, and you're beating up on teams like USC. Just putting it out there. Hey, but, but Fred, but Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. Luck. Andrew Luck was a yeah. Andrew Luck was a the gate. Like most casual, never heard of Daniel Jones until Thursday. So <laughs> that's a whole different Yo. story. Hey, casual fans, they say he was carrying Duke. They hard to be in there, but still. <laughs> Fred, Fred, when I did my draft analysis and I looked at the film. <laughs> On Daniel Jones, I had him graded out in the ninth round. So, <laughs> Ooh, we're, we taking it back to the nineties where we got more than yeah, We going into the eleventh round. Early in the ninth. I had him early in the ninth round, but he was in the ninth round nonetheless. <laughs> All right, so so that was the the situation there. Um, I I thought. You know, as good as Haskins was at at Ohio State, I thought he would have been a reach at six as well. But, you know, the Giants had, even if Daniel Jones is your guy, you know, the the Giants had another pick at 17, and I'm pretty sure that Daniel Jones would have been there at 17. Um, So if they would have taken some other talent to help their team out, they could have still circled the wagons and went back and got this guy. Because obviously after after Haskins wasn't taken at six, you know, Washington had their eye on him. He fell to them at 15. So, you know, they would have still gotten their guy most likely at 17. And I'm not even going to keep saying most likely. Nobody wanted Daniel Jones. He would have got. He would have been there. But 
17. So I think the Giants, I don't know, unless they thought somebody was going to take them to leverage him or something. I don't know what they thought. But but I don't think and, and the guys in the war room were, he tried they blew to that face one. Say, you know, somebody would take him, and that's why they had to take him so early. I call bull crap, but hey. Asking who? For who, for what? <laughs> for who, for what? Exactly. For who, for what? Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so uh, the fans in Washington are 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 excited. Um, shout out to Neil and in, in, in the chat room. She said uh, Haskins didn't even look happy when Washington chose him. Um, I think he, he was expecting to go six to the Giants. Like he kind of gave them a little, you know, a little flag with his hand after they didn't, while he was looking down at his phone, kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, but the, you know, the fans are over the moon because I, you know, I was actually chatting with a few of them while the draft was going on. So while I was trying to console a Giants fan friend of mine, because he was distraught, um, I was basically telling them what I thought of him. And I know, you know, Fred had a different opinion to be that high in the draft, like, you know, somewhere in the top five or six, I thought Dwayne Haskins was a little overrated for those spots as well. But when a team needs something, the team needs something. So, you know, so be it. But I thought he was a little bit overrated for, for that spot. Um, I thought Ohio State did a lot of dinking and dunking to those athletic receivers out there. And, you know, they let them get busy after the catch. I'm not saying he didn't, you know, do some things downfield, but I, I, he didn't show me, and maybe in college you're not going to. It's, it counts when you get in the NFL, but he didn't show me those big boy throws that that oh, man, Austin and I, I were looking for from RG3 when he was here. Would you say for Haskins, you might want to go back and watch that film again. Go back and watch that that Penn State film. Go back and watch that Michigan film because it, he he can drop it in the bucket. He's the guy you want. He's the classic drop back passer, six four two thirty. He's exactly what he's the counter quarterback of what we what everyone wants now. Right. Fifteen years ago, he would have been a top. He would have probably been the top pick. Just to be honest. No, well, I, I, well, no, I yeah, no, I get what you're saying. In this particular draft, he probably would have been because you know they had Kyler Murray, even Daniel Jones is touted to be a little bit mobile. We want so athletic, you're saying if if we were playing the same style, drop back, you know, five step drop, seven step drop, uh, yeah. go through your progression type quarterback, then he probably would have been a higher pick even in, here's, in, in today. Here's what here's what here's what you're saying, Dev, and I agree with you. He he plays in a collegiate version of a West Coast offense, and I mean, there's a West Coast, West Coast like it ain't no downfield. My man is strictly hitting slants, uh, shallow crosses, and 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 out speed out. But that's not just in a college football now. I mean, no, and that's true, Fred. And when you say you know you don't throw down when you, but Fred, when you say you can drop it in the bucket, you know in. Any highly touted college football player, college football quarterback, you're going to see that. Um, you kind of look for that more consistently when we're talking NFL. But I will give you this, Fred. A lot of NFL teams are just going to glorify college systems anyway. So a lot of these guys yeah. have the opportunity yeah. to come into the NFL and be successful. So, you know, Washington, they, they might, might, might have – for us, and well, I know, I know. Actually, thought he should have been he should have been drafted to the Dolphins because that would have been I, I, a perfect spot for him. 
I know the how Dolphins you traded up and got their guy. I mean, traded. I know up. how you evaluate QBs in terms of throwing ability, Dev, and, and, and you too a little bit, Fred. I mean, I need to know that you can throw the deep comeback on the far hash at 20 yards and put it on the money. I need to know that you can hit the tight end in the face of the blitz going up the scene at 18 yards with touch. Those are big boy throws. Like, I, that's, that's what I need. I, I don't care about throwing to a guy coming across seven yards deep on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a dig that turns into a crossing route. I, I don't – I mean, I know that's what football is today, but if I'm going to pay you millions of dollars, you better be able to give me, like, deep – there's a certain guy in New England that lives up to what you don't, what we don't see anymore. Six rings, just saying. <laughs> Yo, he lives and dies on it. He lives and dies on it. You know he can't have a conversation without bringing up Tom at least six times. I'm just putting it that's, out that's, 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 Tom, that's Tom. That's Tom. reference number three. Don't think I'm not counting. We don't, we don't get a Tom Brady bell for Fred every time he comes on. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Brady or Bell every time Go he brings ahead. up Go ahead. Brady or Belichick. It's going to be a BB Bell. Brady or Belichick. <laughs> all right, so let me ask you guys. First of all, we got to give a shout out to um, the family, the Adderley family. Uh, uh, as many people out there probably know, um, Nasir Adderley, University of Delaware, safety, was drafted by the San Diego. Oh, sorry. I sound like Stephen oh. A. Smith. The L.A. Chargers um, in the in the second round. Um, you know his his family is they're they're friends of the the company, friends of the show, and his long he's fifty eight years his elder, and I always call him his uncle, but really Herb Adderley is his is his cousin. So his cousin Herb Adderley, um, Hall of Famer, cornerback from the uh, the Packers. He also played with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he gave us one of our greatest interviews that we've ever had here on the War Room. So we've always been rooting for the kid since he was, you know, a freshman in high school, and and Word. we talked about it with his with his uncle, his other uncle, not Herb. Um, shout out to Kai. Uh, we've been following his career ever since, so we just definitely want to give a shout out to him, um, his his mom, Rhea, of course, his family. Uh, shout out to the Adderleys. Very athletic family. They they got something in the DNA over there. Um, they got themselves another one. So we root for you to be great in the NFL. And I saw some stuff with him before the draft, and he really lit up when he heard about the prospect of potentially being drafted by his hometown, Philadelphia Eagles. They had the opportunity to do it, and they went another way. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a little bit disappointing to him. We're going to get him on here. Um, at some point soon so we can ask him that ourselves, but I'm just assuming that, that may have been a little bit disappointing. But what did you guys think, you know, of his draft position, of the team that he went to, and his prospects for being um, a good player in the coming years? Um, I'm always high. I'm always high on small school DBs because I feel as though they have to master more from a technical standpoint than guys that are just at the bigger schools who are raw athletes. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with a guy from Florida, he might, you know, suffer from the Patrick Peterson gene where he's just that much more athletic than everybody else. So he's in the defensive backfield because 
he runs a four two or four three forty and he's two ten. I like small school guys, especially with his pedigree, because I know from a technical standpoint he's gonna be more than just sound. And then on top of that, athletically I think that he has big school athleticism, honestly. That's that's my take. And he can play and he can play corner. Yeah, that's where he started. His first two years at Delaware, he played corner, uh, moved back to free safety. So he's pretty much available for any spot in the defensive backfield that the Chargers, you know, think they can use him. Um, Fred talked about it last week, how the, the, the one knock on him was the consistency level in his tackling, but he's definitely a ball hawk. So, you know, you know I'm, I'm thinking – they got themselves a good one. I kind of wish the Eagles did take a flyer on them. Um, but it's but it's good to get out of the area, go do something else <laughs> with your love. Fred, what's your what's your I don't know why on? I don't know why he was at Delaware. My take on yeah. on the Sierra Adderley was <laughs> at post draft was the Chargers hit a home run. Uh, Gus Bradley's trying to to build the uh, the California version of the Seahawks, and they're doing a good job early in offense. I mean, you got your you got your D lineman. Now you went up front. Guess what? Now you go with uh, on the back end. Now you have a defined role for Derwin James, your free your your safety that you drafted last year, who was amazing this year. Now you can say, look, you're in the box safety. You don't have to play free. We can roam you around. You we can treat you almost like you're a, you're not Cam Chancellor. You're actually a better version of Cam Chancellor because you're not just a linebacker. You can roam around. You can you can you can guard guys that normally you, you can't put anybody on. You're a miss. You can match the mismatch. But now, now, Sierra right. Adley, guess what he can do? He's not the in, so, in the box safety. He's your deep safety. He's your Earl Thomas. And I'm not saying he's yeah. Earl Thomas because I know where this is going. This is not. Let's kill that. <laughs> yeah, you know how people happens. are. He's oh, not he Earl Thomas Earl now. Thomas. We comparing him to Earl Thomas. Man, because the way Fred, the way said. Fred is big on San Diego, you think that they're the next ones up to beat New England? You just said San Diego. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Hello. LA. Uh, I'm just gonna 50, put this I'm out here for myself. For myself, <laughs> speaking for myself, I'm always gonna call them San Diego. So, you need people, y'all know <laughs> what I'm the, talking about. Wait till the Raiders go to Los I'm just gonna put it out there now. I'm too true. Yeah, I ain't, call, I ain't see, calling them the Las Vegas with, Raiders. <laughs> see, but the thing with the thing with the Raiders, Fred, they've moved back and forth all my life, so I'm used to them leaving. So you don't get too comfortable with the Raiders being anywhere. Like in 2026, they might be the Memphis Raiders, so it's all good with the Raiders. But, but the Chargers, but yeah, um, you know, yeah, they, in my You're lifetime, get that, that's that, all I've known. <laughs> yeah, you'll get you'll get that effect with those two safeties. They're in, you have defined roles essentially. He's a deep safety. Nothing gets past him. Uh, he's a ball hawk, so he does a lot of what Earl Thomas can do. He is not. I have to put that disclaimer out one more time. He is not Earl Thomas. He does what Earl Thomas. He does <laughs> Earl Thomas like things. We got you. All right, we so got the you. draft. The draft woes for the New York Giants continue. Um, one of their picks, uh, Corey Ballantyne, and his college roommates after, you know, he was drafted by the New York Giants, they were shot coming out of a party. Uh, allegedly, Dang. 23-year-old Ballantyne, um, who was a star at Washburn University, um, he and his best friend and teammate, Dwayne Simmons, 
they were coming out of a, a, par- a party. I believe they said it was the women's soccer team who was having a party. They were leaving, and allegedly some oh, guys came up to them and asked them if they had some weed to sell. They said no. The guys left, and a few minutes later, they came back and opened fire, killing his teammate, Dwayne Simmons, and wounding him. I think they actually shot him in the buttocks. Um, the New York Giants told him to go ahead and stay home for the the, the, the first workouts of the offseason. Like, what's up with their luck right now? Is it, is, you know, I mean, this type of thing you can't help. It seems like the other stuff, the Giants are making their own luck. But uh, what were your thoughts when you heard this one, Brad? Man, uh, this one was crazy. Uh, when I saw, when I saw this, I was like, wow. Uh, you can't, you just can't get away from, you know, you try to get away from everything and you try to have a little success and celebrate it. You can't even celebrate the success of living the dream of making it to the NFL without something crazy happening to you. Right. Um, and it, and you can't say wrong place, wrong time because he wasn't doing anything wrong. I mean, it's a crazy situation. Uh, where did he go in the draft? Mm, uh, I think he went. I think he went so I'm, third. I'm trying to look. No, I, see, I think he went fourth or fifth round. Okay. All right. It's 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 crazy. Um. B, what's, what's up? Like you can't even celebrate, you know, living your dreams these days. You come out of a party and you get shot for apparently no reason, unless there's more to the story that he's not telling. But what's up with that, man? All right, I don't know where the hell B is. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move it on to. Uh, just give me your opinion, Fred. Just if you had to pick a team, I know it's difficult to just nail it down to one. So let's go maybe two teams who you think had the best draft. Best draft. Uh, Super Bowl champs, uh, New England Patriots. They killed it. <laughs> and, and it they, I need, I need a bell they, for that one, filled, too. They, we didn't need a Patriots. Yeah, bell. they. they <laughs> Only because they filled a lot of, they filled all their needs. I mean, when you fill every need you have from a bunch of departing and retired players in such a way that it was just like fall. So everybody fell perfectly in place. Only thing they didn't really get was a tight end. I think you can figure that. You can figure that out. They'll figure that part out later. Uh, well, if you're the Super Bowl the, champs, the defending champs, how many needs do you actually have? So was it difficult to fill them? They hard to be in here, but still. <laughs> uh, there's one glaring one out there still, you know, that Hall of Famer that uh that just retired. He that need hasn't been filled yet, so not not so fast. Tom Brady will force the ball. He, he'll he'll force the ball to somebody and make him a star. So you be all right. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> there's there's this ASJ guy. Who knows? Uh, but as far as other teams that filled needs, uh, I would say. The the Raiders. I mean, I and I hate saying it because I, I it would have to be it, it's a tie between the Raiders and the Browns, and I know that just sounds awkward and odd and crazy. It doesn't even sound like I should be associated with those things with too. Uh, sounds bizarre, world. Yeah, Cleveland Farrell number four was a little bit of a head scratcher, but once you really dive into it, you understand. 
why they took him. They needed a pass rusher to go uh, go along Arden, with Arden Key. And then the rest of the way, you get guys like Josh Jacobs so you and Travion Williams. So you have guys that fit roles to uh, to fill holes that they had before. So those picks were fine. And the Browns, they went and got Greedy Williams, the guy I wanted all along in the first round uh, to go to the, those Patriots. Didn't get him. That was he was my biggest prospect crush, if you want to call it call it anything. Uh, but now they have probably the best uh, tandem of corners with Den, uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, and they filled a lot of holes that they needed to fill. Now, granted, it's potential, and we have to worry. We actually, I mean, when you say you're going to win the Super Bowl and all this other stuff, and you haven't even gotten to an OTA yet, I'm about that. Hold up, because that's our, our quote of the week, and we're going to keep you around for that, because I did want to ask you about that. This is the last thing we'll ask you. Uh, Greedy Williams, after being uh, drafted by the Cleveland Browns, said, and I quote, I know one thing, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That's a fact, unquote. That's Greedy Williams. Now, to me, it's seeming that he's fitting right in with what they got now, because as soon as the Cleveland Browns got a little bit of talent last year. Some of their offensive players started running off at the mouth about how they, you know, they, they could put up 40 on everybody. Um, the Cleveland Browns, suffice it to say, are loaded right now. And the Cleveland Browns are usually the little underdog that I'm rooting for. But now that they're getting some talent, they're starting to bother me a little bit. And they're borderline about to have me rooting against them and hoping that they brown it up. Some some way somehow, <laughs> but you know to be a new draft pick to be going to a team who for the better part of the last three decades have been the laughing stock of the NFL. Like how brash is it to go in there and say that? And I love a confident player, I love a cocky player, and all that kind of stuff. But what you said, you're speaking for everybody else, and you ain't even met your teammates yet. But you're speaking for them, so I think he needs to slow it down a little bit. Can I just front, put it out there? But I, but I love the that confidence. Team, confidence is cool. That team could easily be two and seven, or two. I'm sorry, two and five when it comes by by week eight. Just saying, the Titans and the Jets are the only winnable games I see on their schedule. You get the Rams, you get the Rams, Ravens, Forty ers Seahawks, and Patriots all back to back to back with only a bye week in the middle of all of that. With so you're basically to, saying they're going to get yeah, an early you, opportunity to show and prove yeah, with all yeah, this yapping that they do. Yeah. Well, I, want, I want that same energy when you come to Foxborough uh, in October. <laughs> I want that same energy. All right. Well, there you have it, man. That's our draft, our, our quick draft recap. Like I said, if you want the in-depth 90-minute version, just go to warroomsports.com. Click on the uh, War Room Sports Podcast Network tab and click on the latest episode. I believe it's episode 53 of Cover 2 with McMillan and Purdue so you can get a, a more in-depth look at uh, the draft recap. But Fred, as usual, man, we appreciate it. Um, and we'll wrap to you next week. Good, brother. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, no doubt. Fred Purdue, everybody, at the Cover 2 Podcast. And the Quick Slants podcast. Oh, one second. Did Fred go? Uh, Fred, if you're listening, he was supposed to give his 
top 10 prospects is way too early top 10 prospects for next year's draft. Um, we forgot to do that. So we'll wait a week. We'll, we'll, we'll get it in next week. All right, before we go on, because we got a stat of the week that kind of changes gears and goes into basketball, we got a caller on the line. And just in case he wanted to say something about football, we'll keep keep everything right here. We got the homie Tobias calling in from out in Arizona, where they pay college basketball players 10K a month. What's up, hey. Tobias? What's going on? Uh, Roll down tie, and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the dumbest NFL team on earth, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-oh. Give me Uh-oh. a second on this one. All right. <laughs> this team, right? Still. Number five <laughs> overall pick, right? You got a trash defense, a trash pass rush. Yes, I know Quan Alexander left a free agency. Why in the blue hell would you draft an inside linebacker number five if you got defensive linemen out there? Because you all know, it is hard to get a, a top-notch defensive lineman in his prime unless you draft that high or you're paying him $20 million a year. And teams ain't letting them go. So, okay, this guy can get 120 tackles a year. But well, whoop the damn do, shout to Derek Coleman. Uh, <laughs> but it's but about inside, an inside backer or, or a Mike backer, they're right after running back. They're the yeah. the least valuable position, so it's kind of funny, man. Yeah. yeah, here's the thing. Also, they talking about where he could blitz them. You got Josh Allen, who could have been the number two pick or number three pick, sitting there right in the face. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a big time defensive line already. They went all in. Then you got no running back because ain't no one in your fantasy league is drafting Peyton Barber. Now let me tell you guys, I got a stat of the week for you guys. You know, it only takes 52 and a half yards per game in a 16-game season to get to 1,000 yards. And, it, and this blanket the blank couldn't get that. But, yeah, <laughs> we're all good at running back. Then we got an offensive line with the right side to do the turn style. You got a guy 35 years old who want to retire, but you don't draft one. But these clowns going to draft two more cornerbacks and a safety after you draft the middle linebacker. After he drafted two cornerbacks last season. And they drafted a fat kicker. So, when this team goes, it gets better. How the hell are you in salary cap hell and you went 5-11 two years in a row? Yo. Yeah, I love drafting kickers for one. I don't know what's up with that. (laughs) I just think every year on, you know, on the free agent list, like, there's enough solid kickers to go around. <laughs> I don't know. In the yeah. like what round did they draft kicker in this year? Fifth. But still, you could have landed like a lineman. Somebody just had like a depth. You know, sometimes you gotta have some depth on the line. But here's the thing: a lot of Bucks fans just happy that Devin White won't be a bust. Who cares about that? Defensive linemen change the game. For example, when Fletcher Cox goes out for y'all, the defense changes. It's not as good because that guy's that dominant. But, yeah, if the middle linebacker goes out, hey, you can still hold down the fort. Even Ray Lewis needed, like, Haloni Nada, you know, Sam Adams, and still had T. Silva coming out the edge. If you want the middle linebacker, trade down. I feel you. <laughs> I 
feel you. I hey, know you. You know. Hey, I know you've been waiting all week to get your vent. Um, because you're yeah, keep upsetting you. Yeah, here's the thing. And like, what happens is they're like, "Yeah, we're good." And I'm like, the guy can't even run it back up. Make Ray Charles miss. He can't make. It. I'm sorry, he can't. Because everyone will blame the offensive line. But, you know, a running back, you have to make things happen sometimes. And, uh, but can I, can I drop this real quick? I think I do a basketball. I'll drop this real quick. LeBron stands. Just because they say Kevin Durant is the best player right now, they're not saying all time. Shannon Sharp, get out your feeling. He's talking about LeBron James is 35 years old right now. And y'all talk about who Kevin Durant played with. Where was all this energy when LeBron played with D. Wayne and Chris Bosh when they was in their prime and Ray Allen and Shane Battier? Oh, yes. And also, where was this energy when he had Kyrie and Kevin Love? So keep that yeah. same energy when y'all hating on KD. It is weird. All right, man. Uh, thanks for your vent. We knew it was coming. <laughs> we holler at you next week. All right, Jabari? Hey, Dev, aren't you happy yeah. I didn't cuss, though? I, I know you're not a control yourself. It's all good. <laughs> hey, take it easy, guy. All right, man. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He's he been chomping at the bit, man. The Buccaneers been frustrating to him. All right, so we're going to switch gears with this stat of the week real quick. Um, stat of the week, uh, Jason, Tate, Jason Tatum, a.k.a. Beige Mamba, a.k.a. the next one up, um, in Boston's semifinal series with the uh, Bucks. It's only two games into the series. So we're not saying that, you know, we can't find him and get him off of this milk carton, but he has a total of nine points in the first two games of this series. He had four points in game one and five points in game two. So he's averaging a paltry four and a half points per game. Um, According to everybody this season, you know, even with Kyrie coming back, he's supposed to be, you know, option one B at the at the lowest option two on this team. We've heard from everybody how he's like the next one up. Um, I think scoring is, you know, the best thing that he does. Like he has a he has a nice little offensive package where he can get to where he needs to get off of the dribble, um, you know, not a lot of wasted motion on most plays. Sometimes he gets to over dribbling and getting too fancy on things, but uh, he's shooting about 24% in this series and he's nowhere to be found. The thing, the reason why this is a thing uh, B is because if you notice the difference, because there were a lot of people very high on, on Tatum, um, shout out to the homie court. He might be listening, you know, he and Jimmy had something going because uh, court posted last season that, Tatum was going to come into this season as the starting small forward on the all-star team. And we kind of reminded him, you know, what about mute? What about Giannis? Like, are you forgetting these guys? Um, But a lot of people were high on him like that. And I'm not saying two games in a series is going to take people from being that, but I kind of think to where the hype was coming into this season, even his regular season was a little bit underwhelming for the hype. My only thing is, being a second-year player himself, Ben Simmons, when he has games like this, especially when he has games like this in the playoffs, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in life, and he's a bust, and 
We told you the Sixers are never going anywhere with them. I'm just wondering why certain people have more leeway and more room to be a young player and go through the ups and downs and the struggles, and some don't. Like, I don't get it. Um, I told you what it was years ago, man. It's all about how the fan base relates to that player and how he compares favorably or unfavorably to a player they love or like. So with, with Ben, I think that he compares certainly not athletically, but skill wise a little bit to LeBron. So the LeBronites, yo, when he falls short of their, of their, uh, God, Yo, they let Ben. They let Ben have it. They let Ben have it. And then he's got a little bit of a quirky personality too. So yeah. I, I I can see kind of where Tatum stays out of the way. You don't expect that much from him, but when you get it, cool, great. But if he keeps laying eggs like this, oh, they'll get to him. They'll get to him. We'll see. I mean, because remember, we were like in the NBA for a long time. You remember how many years people used to be like, yo, why does Kevin Durant get such a pass and everybody's so hard on LeBron? Um, Kevin Durant really did get a pass up until the moment he joined the Golden State Warriors. Like, it's like, all right, we're, we're kind of apologizing for you every single year. You lost to them after having a three-point lead, and we're still going to blame it all on Russ, even though – it was KD coming up short at the end of those games, and we were still apologizing for KD. And I'm saying we as the masses because I damn sure wasn't. Um, but then as soon as he joined the Golden State Warriors, then that's when the criticism finally kicked in for KD. And, and, and it's, weird. it's weird to see that because people, you know, the masses take people in as their favorites or their, like you said, it depends on their comparison with somebody else. Because sometimes you get the apologist because you're anti somebody else. So I think KD right. was like the anti LeBron. So people who didn't like LeBron was willing to, you know, sacrifice their integrity to keep apologizing for this dude who wasn't getting it done. And I don't know. It just reminded me of that. All right. So uh, that's our stat of the week. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, Tatum, his struggles and the Celtics and the Bucks series and all of that stuff in a little while when we talk some NBA basketball. But for right now, you guys can check out our website at warroomsports.com. While you're there, make sure you take your time and look around. Click the Contact Us pay tab. Um, send us a message about the company show to inquire about sponsorship and advertising. If you're a small business owner or if you want to join the network as a writer, podcaster, Whatever you want to do, and remember, if you are, you know, interested in work, then work isn't all sports. So if you want to get on the air and and you know do a show about whatever your interest is, we are interested in that. So make sure you get with us. You can also get with us at info at That's how you can reach us by email. So not just browse, you know, click on the memorabilia. Buy some War Room Sports merchandise. Click the blog tab. Read our latest articles in the All Fair and Sports and War blog. Um, shout out to Gus Griffin, who's been holding it down for us over the past year or so. Um, then you can click the respective icons and tabs to follow all our social media platforms to 
Subscribe to the iTunes podcast to watch our webcast at War Room Sports TV and to download our free War Room Sports mobile app on Android or iOS. Our Android app is down this week, but you know, if you don't have it yet and you're an Android user, just keep checking back because it'll be up uh, once we finish troubleshooting with the with the app company. But um, right now, if you want to rap to us, just join the JW Philly Realty chat room. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. To enter the chat room, just sign up for a free profile on Blog Talk Radio. If you don't want to create an account, maybe you can still sign into your Facebook and Twitter logins. So while you're at it, click follow so you can get updates and reminders about the show every week. We'll also be taking questions and reading posts from Facebook, Twitter, chat room, the War Room Sports Game Time group on the GroupMe app, all of that during the show. But if you want to call in and speak with us, Dial the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. But if you're already listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. Right now, we're going to talk about what happened this week while you good folks were out there on time trying to make it happen for your families. There's been a lot of wacky stuff in sports going on. We've been doing that. So while you're on the grind, it's brought to you by Blueprints Books. The book S-P-O-R-T-S It's acronym folks Smart people only read The sports so You guys tired of reading the same old sports books With the same old lists Rankings Lineups goat comparison, And all that subjective information That people pass off as Facts these days uh, Be sure to pick up your copy of sports it's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture to keep you on the edge of your seat and to keep you laughing like you're watching a Netflix special. Netflix, cut the check. Um, so just go to sportstobook.com to get your copy, or you can get a copy from our website at warroomsports.com. All right. While y'all want to run, be awesome. After all the talk of your man growing up, and his game growing up and maturing and all that good stuff that people do after a few years. Uh, your homie, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell, is back. Now, uh, D'Angelo Russell was caught yes, in an airport trying to smuggle weed in, an fake, in a fake Arizona iced tea can. He was flying <laughs> from the Guardia but he was stopped by TSA, which noticed the can. He found marijuana in it on an inspection. The police were informed, and they issued a citation to D'Angelo. Um, the USA is reporting that he received a summons to appear in court. Come on, D'Angelo. First of all, two things. <laughs> two things. Arizona iced tea, we all know, coming in a can. And they, they said it was the can. Even if this wasn't a liquid or, you know, even if you weren't faking as if it was a liquid, they have metal detectors for a reason. You can't get things through TSA that are, you know, metal, any kind of metal, aluminum, whatever. So I'm calling him out because his his hiding place was suspect. Like you weren't even going to get that pass if it didn't have marijuana in it. Number two, you can't take liquid through TSA. (laughs) Any liquid you have that's not in little one-ounce containers or whatever it is and in a plastic bag 
are getting tossed. If you have a bottle of water that's clear as day and they can just look at it, it doesn't matter. They're going to make you drink it. They're going to make you guzzle it or they're going to make you throw it in the trash can. So how are you trying to get past with metals or aluminum? And number two, how are you trying to get what you want to appear as a liquid past TSA? I mean, I know y'all fly charter all the time, and y'all probably do what y'all want, but, dude, I know you've been in an airport before. I know you've been on an airplane before. What's wrong with you, man? Yo, you don't know about the Altoids chance. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Very immature on his part. Um, I don't know. Give him a JoJo. He deserves it. <laughs> He yeah, he, he, he got to. He got to. I mean, I thought back then with the whole situation that Nick Young, you know, probably gave Boy a lifetime for Joe, but you know, he's earned his lifetime. way back up the ladder. He's probably the in a he's probably the NBA. He's in the top two if he doesn't win it of most improved players. I'm pretty sure it's between him and and Pascal Siakam. And for the most part, people are saying he's a model teammate, model citizen. And he's out here doing dumb stuff. So no you more. deserve one of these young fellas. <laughs> Idiot. All right. So the next story. Uh, Sean Miller, uh, head coach of Arizona men's basketball team, allegedly paid DeAndre Ayton about $10,000 a month while he was enrolled school. Now, this was um, a part of the the court proceedings for Emmanuel Book Richardson. Um, we know about his whole thing and, you know, him being on trial for the improprieties that he's been alleged to have <laughs> – I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to watch my words. I don't want to say nothing that's too too crazy. But the the, the things that he's alleged to have done um, in college basketball and uh, basically getting kids to sign with sports agencies um, by means that aren't legal. Either way, federal prosecutors said. Um, actually, federal prosecutors played a recording to a jury of a phone call in which um, Emmanuel Book Richardson told an aspiring agent by the name of Christian Dawkins that Arizona coach Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton $10,000 per month while he was enrolled at the school. Um, they played this call because they were on the call discussing how the agent could recruit Ayton as a client you know, prior to him declaring for the NBA draft. So if they find a way to prove this being, this is a little, you know, if they find out that this is more than just hearsay, which it could possibly be, um, what kind of punishment are you looking looking at for Sean Miller? Lifetime ban. <laughs> death penalty for Sean much. Miller? <laughs> death penalty. No, um... That's a little much. That's a little much. Two two years. I, I mean, because I don't know, but you know, they have some of some of the transcript of the call. They have some of the stuff here. They said while talking about Aiden Richardson told Dawkins, Sean's got to 
get the F out of the way and let us work. And he said, we'll see how out. Dawkins said, you know what he bought per month? Richardson asked, what'd he do? Dawkins asked, I told you, 10. So he's basically trying to, you know, talk him codes. He said he's putting up some real money for them mother effers. Uh, Dawkins, he told me he's getting killed. So, I don't know. You know, there's been a big probe into college basketball. So now Aiton's name is involved. Sean Miller's name is involved. You know, Zion's name came up a few weeks ago when they said his mom was, you know, being paid. Uh, it's, it's all going to come to a head one day. I mean, this is the big argument that people have been, have been having for decades, but it's ramped up over the past 10 years of whether or not college athletes should be paid. Um, for all the people who believe that they should, all I ever asked was, you know, come up with something that makes sense, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people say pay them and then they have no, no time or reason to no plan. There's how no that plan. No yeah. Because, you know, what people, when they the big sports, the basketballs, the footballs, you know, they're the cash cows for these universities and they're funding the sports. But if you start paying college athletes to be sport athletes paid as well, or are you just going to be front and honest with them? Like, look, that big seven-foot dude over there is the reason that your lacrosse uniform, you know, <laughs> was, was pressed up and made. So we're going to pay him, but we're not going to give you jack. And even within the same sports, you have superstars who drive the revenue and 12th men on the bench that nobody's ever heard of because he's never stepped foot on the floor before. So we just, you know, where's the balance? How do you do this? Um, that's what I'm interested in. Uh, what else happened while you guys were on the ground? Uh, Jay Wright, Villanova's head coach, he turned down, allegedly turned down UCLA for double the salary. What do you think about that move? Is that a smart move on his part? Yeah. Double the money. That's tough, man. So I understand the logic, or I'll spec I, from a speculative perspective. I understand the logic. UCLA comes with a certain amount of expectation, right? And, and there's an outside especially, perspective especially when on what it is after winning two national championships, right? But you're not. But UCLA isn't what it used to be. It feels like it would be harder for him to succeed at UCLA's as UCLA's head than it is for you to work as Villanova's head. Less expectations, easier to win, and history in history and 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 tenure and goodwill already built. So that's how that's how it feels to me. Like I, I get it. You know, in his mind, he may feel like, hey. If I'm, am I going to stay at UCLA to collect this bread for two or three seasons, or are they going to fire me after I prove I'm not successful? <laughs> and then what? I can stay at Villanova for the next ten years and make that bread. Exactly no. my thoughts. You've won two national championships within a three-year span at tiny Villanova, and I'm saying tiny in comparison to a UCLA. UCLA is a blue blood 
college basketball program. Just like B just said, the expectations there, especially because they're hiring you, trying to hire you after a national, you know, national championship run two times over, the expectations are going to be to put us back where we belong in the pantheon of college basketball. Now you're going to double this man's salary, but the expectations are going to come with limitations being as though if you can't turn their program around and get it to where they want it to be again in the next four, five, save them 10 years, you know, which is not unlikely, but say four, five, 10 years, they're eventually going to get rid of you. I think at a small school like Villanova, the fact that you brought them so much success even prior to the two national championships, and then you ice the cake with that, I think you could pretty much call your shot at Villanova for the rest of your career. I don't see him getting fired. I see him being at Villanova for the next 25 or however long he wants to coach. And he can get – he probably won't be able to double his salary at Villanova. But they'll, no, they'll but give he's going to be the coach rate. K. He's going to be the coach K of Villanova, and he's going to get it. You know, he has a nice salary. He'll probably get a nice extension at some point, and right. he knows that that's that's reliable income. You know what I'm saying? It, right. Like you would have to you would have to be on this Sean Miller list and do something totally out of character for the program to 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 be fired from there. But if you go on a little you know slump for a couple of years and you're not where you had the program, I think they would have the patience with him considering what he's already done for that program. Villanova people, you know, it's difficult. Villanova for the for their history, they've been part of that Big Ten scene. They've had their ups and they, you know, they won the national title once back in the eighties. But, you know, they were such a big underdog then it was never expected. Like, because if you look at these Big Ten schools, and I'm talking historical because I know they shook up the conference and all of that um, and changed a bunch of things. But if you look at the history of the Big Ten, you know, they've always had a name, but they were never considered favorites, you know, no more than two years out of every decade. And maybe that's even being um, generous. So, yeah, I think in Villanova, he pretty much call his shot of when he wants to get to to be finished. I think if he takes this huge salary, goes out to the West Coast, I think the clock is going to be ticking. Um, Two years and be successful, successful, but whatever. What you say? I said that's a two-year gig, family. Third year, he <laughs> up out of there. Uh, all right, so yeah, Jay Wright. I think he made the right decision. He's built something here that. It's just valuable. All right, so Tiger Woods, we, we all celebrated. When I say we, definitely the African-American race celebrated Tiger getting back on top and winning the Masters a few weeks ago. Um, Tiger is doing what we expect Tiger to do. He's going to hang out with his homie. So Tiger is going to celebrate his Masters victory while receiving the nation's, nation's highest honor for a civilian when he visits his homie Donald Trump at the White House on Monday, he's going to yuck it up and he's going to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Because Yo, black people are stupid, man. I think this is, this is 
Donald Trump's way of saying, I like black, black people. No, I like no. niggers too. In the Oval Office, like, you know, I ain't. So, yeah, he's going to celebrate. You know what I would, you, because people should have, they should have expected Tiger. Ain't no Tiger's cool with that dude. But you know what would be even worse? If Tiger goes there and they share a fast food lunch, because it would kind of be like mocking the criticism that he's gotten, because he did it again this week. Um, he served cold fast food to uh, the Baylor women's basketball team after they won the national championship. Um, he did it the first time on what I know to be a lie, you know, claiming it was because of the shutdown and there were no chefs, no cooks. Um, I have some insiders know to not be 100% true. Now, the, you know, the two times he's done it after that, he's just trying to throw it in everybody's face. Like, you know, this is my thing. I'm not embarrassed by it. This is what I chose to do. I think if Tiger went there and they publicly shared a fast food lunch, I think he would just be further throwing it in the face of anybody who decided to criticize him about that. And I just have a feeling that, you know, Tiger will be all for helping his man out. Yeah, there's a lot of so happy basically, people out there. Tiger is one of these uh, so-called, quote, air quotes, brothers that ask, Donald, is we sick? Donald, how is we doing? <laughs> and we uh, as man. black folks are so caught up in respectability politics, we claim in Tiger because he won a golf tournament. He ain't interested in, in, in y'all, man. He's trying to get back on top so that he can find an Eland and get back on top. Come on, y'all. Be like, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Biz Nars. All right, so, you know, that's what happened this week. Everybody, while y'all were on the grind. All right, so real quick before we move on to some NBA Playoff stuff. We'll give some quick birthday shout outs. And the birthdays, hey, the birthday segment still doesn't have a sponsor. So if you have a, a business, God. whether it be a small business, a big business, whatever you do, hey, if you want to sponsor a segment on the show, we got some openings here. So hit us up, warroomsports.com. Go on that contact us tab, or you can email us info at warroomsports.com. All right, we make sure your money is very well spent. All right, man, so birthdays, Kyle Bush, a race car fan. My birthday, he turns yay! 34 years old. Tabo Cephalosha, the inspiration behind Kyle Corver's uh, very, very poignant piece that he wrote for the Players' Tribune. He turns 35 today. Damn, My Kyle birthday, yay! Yo, Troy Murphy. How's Tabo 35? I know. Tabo, Tabo, man. He must have came in. And I got to check and see how old he was when he came into the league. You know, sometimes those foreigners don't take that easy route. Um, you know, Tony Parker came in when he was like 19. Tabo might have been like 25. I don't know. Uh, he is 39 years old. Shout out to Troy Murphy. Birthday. Yay. Just have a little bit of game. David Beckham. Still um, over there, bending the gym. Bending it. Never mind. 
Over there bending spice girls. Bend it like Beckham. He turns forty four years old. It's Shout out to Dave Beckham. Bender and NBA, NBA star Jamal Wilkes is sixty six years old. So we like to give all of these folks War Room Sports salute on their birthdays. Birthday. Salute. Yay. Happy birthday. And one more time before we talk some NBA, you can check out our website, but if you want to call us and speak about any of the NBA playoff topics that we're about to speak about or anything that you come up with on your own, you can hit us on the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're hiding from your phone, all you got to do is press 1 so we know that you're on the switchboard and you want to talk, uh, so go ahead and do that. Just press one if you want to talk. And the NBA wrap, as usual, is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Um, do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom website solutions, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. Just stop, you know, doing the free stuff because that's not really working out too much. Top quality, results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices. And even if you don't have a bunch of money to spend up front, and and I'm saying a bunch, I'm using that loosely because I just told you it's not going to cost you a bunch of money. But even if you just don't have that discounted money to spend all at once, financing options are available. So visit DigitalExtremeTech.com or call 267 205-4203 again 267-205-4203 and for discounted rates be sure to tell them that the guys from over at War Room Sports sent you yes they are alright B uh, before we get Uh to the NBA just a few few NBA news tidbits. Greg Popovich, he has formally committed to return for his 24th season as San Antonio Spurs coach, but he's expecting that will keep him as the highest paid coach in the NBA um, for another three seasons. Does this surprise you? Because Popovich he seemed like he was kind of losing his luster for the game. I don't know if you remember earlier in the season, he made those um, comments talking about how the three-pointers basically ruined the game. It's not the beautiful game of movement anymore and skills. People are just coming down, launching three-pointers after three-pointers because analytics and yada, yada, yada. And, and, and on top of that, like he lost everybody from his, glory years from the domination of the past two decades in that five championship run, including Tim Duncan, um, David Robinson, if you want to put him in, but he was early in the run. So, But he's lost Tim Duncan, uh, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, that big three that kind of guided him through the, the rigors of the past two decades and helped remain on what call the Spurs like the Patriots of the NBA. So are you surprised that he signed a three year contract in the midst of everything that's happening? Or you think nah, uh, two things two things happen. <laughs> when you the highest paid player or highest paid coach in the league, it's hard to walk away from that cheek. 
And DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan brought back his inspiration because DeMar ain't interested in a three-pointer at all. <laughs> so you know, he got the right cats on his team. He do have some mid-range mavens on his squad. He got DeMar. Mid-range mavens. Um, he got Aldrich. Uh, Aldrich should be a little closer to the basket, but he likes to shoot mid-range shots as well. So, yeah, he, he do got mm-hmm. a squad that fits his personality and his style of uh, basketball. Um, but like any other team, you, know, you got the youngsters on the team that still, they shoot the three. I don't know where they Chuck fall in. within the league, but it's just a part of the game now. You kind of can't play without it. It's just a lot of teams out there who abuse it. Um, and we'll talk about a team that abuses it. Um like a like a bad drug. We'll talk about that team in a few minutes. Um, there's been some stuff in the news saying that Jeannie Buss has apparently given her close friends, Linda and Kurt Rambis, former Laker Kurt Rambis, high roles in the front office, but nobody can explain what roles they are, what they actually do. I've even heard people refer to Linda Rambis as quote-unquote shadow owner. Um, so people are wondering, like, are you giving them positions in the organization because just because they're your friends or because they actually know what they're doing? I mean, we know Kurt Ramos has been a part of the NBA for a very long time, you know, a player, um, a coach on a few teams. Um, and I think he's been in the front office. I don't know, but we know how the Lakers like to take care of their own. But without them giving any information as to exactly what these people are doing in the in the front office, B. Austin, like, what does this look like to you? Like, what, what's going on? Magic just rolled out. Looked like Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka was, were in cahoots. Now you got yeah. Kurt and his wife getting positions. Like, what's going on in Lakerland? Why is this such a dysfunctional organization? And is your man... Mm-hmm the leader and founder of the Forum Club, forget the Lakers, the Forum Club, Dr. Jerry Buss. Is he rolling over in his grave watching his kids yo. tear up yo. His, his beloved Lakers? Jerry, uh, yo, Dr. Buss is trying to figure out right now whatever level of hell he's in for what he he's he having to <laughs> got down with. He, oh, he, 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 he out he working out that deal to come back. I guess because he founded the Forum Club, he got to be in hell. He founded the Forum Club. He's the reason EJ is here. Like, he is trying to figure out a way to come back to right this wrong because, yo, as a, as a Sixers fan, growing up, there's two teams we hated. We hated the Celtics, and we, we hated the Lakers. Yo, but I don't want the Lakers looking like this, yo. This is not good for basketball, man. Yo, they are a laughing stock. And <laughs> I'm starting to even feel a tad bit of sympathy for LeBron, man. LeBron didn't come here for this. He came LeBron, here to make movies. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't come here for basketball either. LeBron, LeBron and entertainment. But he didn't, come, he didn't come here to do business with Kurt Rambis' wife, yo. He ain't come here for that. <laughs> <laughs> yo, what does she do? Like, what is she by yo, profession? Yo, I just see her. Like, what is she? Or is she just yo, her there's people's like, saying, Yo, there's people saying, 
There's people saying that she doesn't know anything about basketball and she'll make a decision. They'll ask her and she'll call Kurt and ask them what they're talking about before she, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they I don't doing? even know what the term shadow owner means. Is that like yeah. owner internship? <laughs> like they're gonna let you into the ownership group, but you gotta shadow me for a while and learn the ropes of how to f up an NBA team. Like I don't get the ownership intern. What is the show? Oh, they just making stuff up. Right. That's what agents and general managers are describing her as, and if those are the people describing her as that. That means they have her talking to these people. Like, why is Linda Bus not Linda Bus? Excuse me, she's not even a bus kid. Why is Linda Rambis talking to agents and general managers on behalf of Dude, the Los Angeles Lakers? Why does she know what she's talking about? If she's having these conversations, yeah. All she could probably say is like, "Yeah, if you," she probably called the Rockets and like, "Yeah, if Harden's eyes hurt, then you should probably get him goggles." My husband wore goggles when he played. Like, uh, here, uh, yeah. I'm so yo, man. yo, get LeBron out of here, man. Get him, get him. So he don't deserve. So he don't deserve. It's LeBron's fault. You know all those, you know all those crazies out in Philadelphia just believe for some reason that he was gonna come join their shop. That's what he get for not joining their shop. I mean, I'm glad he didn't because, like I said, we can't put this circus on LeBron. Like. There's a lot of circuses that we could put on LeBron, and he probably would have brought one to the city of brotherly shove. But the stuff that's going on in Lakerland now, like, you, you can't even put this on LeBron, man. Lakers no, this ain't got nothing to do with LeBron. LeBron don't it, deserve this, man. Not even for the decision, LeBron. Yo, they're the clip. Yo, bizarro world. Yo, the Browns are good. Mm-hmm. Or talented at least. <laughs> The Clippers are the a Lakers, stable organization than the Lakers. The Lakers are trash, and the Clippers are in the playoff. Challenge. Yo, what type of – yo, man. The world and, is and, 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 the world is in. And Biff Tannen is president. Yo, <laughs> what's going on? Scott, you said Linda – Scott, you said Linda Rambis is a <laughs> Yo, I really need to know what her profession is besides shadow owner. Shadow owner. All right, let me let me look this up. Linda Rambis profession. You know, if a picture page come up, <clears throat> first thing it says is married to Kurt Rambis. <laughs> no. Yo, weren't we ha- yo, weren't we happy for them when they got the brother, the brother boss up out of there? We thought Genie was going to do yeah, some good we things. Thought, we thought he was the problem. Genie out here just yeah. making the Lakers organization girls' night. <laughs> it's just girls' night. Her and Linda sit up in a suite, drinking wine, losing. I don't know what's going on with Genie. I don't know. She need to bring Phil back to coach. Just give him a big ass chair. You know how he like his big chair, and he'd be all right. All right, so that's. That's what's going on in Lakerland, man. Shout out to them and their shadow owner. Um, and how'd she get a higher position than Kurt Rambis? At least he put in the work. Um, so the NBA playoffs, man. Most of the week that has gone by, the discussion around the NBA has been about 
NBA officiating, more specifically in game one of the Western Conference semifinal between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Houston Rockets um, said that they, you know, there were a lot of calls, and most of this was on three-point shots where they feel that the defender was going under the shooter and not giving them enough landing space, which is a new rule. I mean, a newer rule in the NBA because of, you know, how people used to shoot, come down on somebody's foot, sprain an ankle, it's really hurt or whatever. Um, we know it put Kawhi Leonard out of the playoffs a few years ago when they were um, kind of handling the Golden State Warriors in game one. Um, what are your thoughts about Houston doing all the complaining and just making the whole narrative for the 48 hours or so in between those games all about officiating? Do you think they had a case? The final two-minute report came out, um, and they did say early in the game they did blow three calls, but the one that they were complaining about the most when Draymond Green allegedly ran under uh, James Harden, the ref said that was a no call, and we feel that we got that right. Have you seen the video of that one? Because it's been like video replay all week. Yeah, I think you. I think both teams is better, um, but but particularly Houston. Uh, the level of complaining um, is is outlandish, and I also noticed that um, your man. Uh, Neymar of the NBA, a.k.a. Uh, James Harden, he got more calls than he averages in the regular season. Right, he was at the line and 14 the, times, and he doesn't, as much as he goes to the line, he doesn't average 14 free throws per game. So he got more yeah. free throws. My thing with the Rockets, yeah, a lot of standing still, yeah, a lot of ISO, like the stuff that they're doing doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, even it though. work. You you know what it is though, and referee. I'm pretty sure they could even admit this because I heard somebody say that a ref told them like you go into a game fan. Like, I'm not going to get fooled tonight. I think if it wasn't the level that NBA players, namely the Houston Rockets, namely James Harden, if it wasn't for the level of deception that they're going into each and every game trying to get over on the referees. You know, because James Harden gets called, you know, he, he gets people called for a lot of fouls that aren't really fouls because he's learned the officials. He's learned how to contort his body in certain ways. He learns how to get, you know, how to get bogus contact. You know, he, I think he studies film on how to draw fouls, but not the old fashioned way of just going to the hole. You know what I'm saying? And, and using your space wisely. I think he's, basically mastered deceiving the referees and they come to they've come to a point where they're going in the game trying not to be deceived so a lot of times on these plays they're thinking well he did something to initiate that contact a lot of times he does and and on some of them especially the ones when clay clay uh, thompson was guarding them they were fouls but the fact that james harden does his part in and every foul that there is on his body, sometimes the refs are just sitting there like, it's difficult to officiate this dude. If you look at the one with Draymond, he 
he kicks his legs into Draymond doesn't just jump straight up, so he's moving forward too. So his you know his his defense is suspect on the play as well, but Harden kind of kicks both of his legs forward, comes to near sitting position in the air and falls on the ground. I think if Draymond would have backed and just let him play himself, kind of like pulling the chair out from under him, he would have done the same thing with no contact at all. So I think that's why he didn't get that call. No, real talk, I think that's why he didn't get that call because they say the defender is supposed to give the shooter enough airspace to come down and not come down on his feet or whatever. But another part of that rule is the shooter has to have, uh, you know, a natural shooting motion. And there's nothing natural about what James Harden is doing at the three-point line trying to draw these fouls. So some of the time, I think he's playing himself with some foul calls because the ref's looking at the fact that there's nothing natural about his shooting motion, so I'm not going to give you this little ticky-tack foul. Whereas if he just went straight up and these dudes are just coming under you and turning their backs like they've been doing, he would get that foul call every time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They choose to just change the narrative and complain. Um, Skyview says Zaza Pachulia is thinking I was made the villain and they're not even calling him now. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. But, you know, he, he got a superstar up out of there. So he's always going to be the bad guy. He's always going to be the reason that this rule is being blatantly looked at and blatantly called now. It's not the first, you know, time or the first person who's done it. Manu Ginobili used to do it a lot. He, I think he twisted Kobe Bryant's ankle one time running yep, under him yeah. as he shot yeah, the ball. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, this has been a part of the game for a long time, but Houston, they they beat the narrative like a dead horse. They even went as far as to leak an audit that they did personally on Game 7 of last year's Western Conference Finals where they said they went back and studied the whole game and they found 81 potential missed calls and non-calls that went against them in that game. Uh, Y'all are drawing. 81, like really? 81? But I'm pretty sure when they were doing this audit and they found 81 instances where there could have been a call or there was a non-call, I'm pretty sure they got to a point where they were just checking the box when somebody just brushed up against a player at any point in the game. Because referees are human. We understand they're going to make mistakes. We understand that referees are bad sometimes. But 81 calls in one game, they're saying that 81 um, likely changed the eventual champion of the league. So basically, they're, they're, they're disrespecting Cleveland. Like, if we'd have got there, we'd have smacked Cleveland. That's what they're saying. Um, but they're saying, they're saying that the non-calls and the missed calls took about 18 and a half points away from them. <laughs> and they only lost the game by nine. Nowhere in here do they say or do they count how many missed calls there were in their favor. Of course, we're not going to do that. Nowhere in here do they say at some point in a game, in a close game, we missed 27 straight three-pointers. And instead of adjusting and doing something else, we kept shooting the three-pointers even though we kept missing the three-pointers. So we're just going to conveniently blame this on the referees. We're going to take this narrative into next year's playoffs and try to use it like Phil Jackson and get the refs on our side. And after all of this complaining, because I got a new name for that game, that's the audit game now, like the flu game 
and the and the, you know all of that stuff. We got the audit game, game the seven of the Western Conference Finals. This whole thing I'm calling referee gate. Um, but after all of this complaining, all of this talking about last year's game seven, all of this talking about this year's game one, they went out in game two in a game that, in my opinion, was beautifully officiated and went out there and lost again. So stop with the excuses. You can't beat this team. And and you, you've been the closest to come to beating this team, but you shot yourself in the foot. 27 straight three-pointers? How about you count some points there that you may have missed if you would have just pump faked and went to the damn hole once or twice <laughs> instead of blaming everything on the officials. Like, this has got to stop, man. So they got, they're going back to Houston with a chance to even up this series. A lot of people are looking at it right now as if it's done. What say you? Um, I, I'll give Houston one. I'll give them one win at this point because because so I don't see them. I don't yeah. see them getting swept as it being done. Yeah. But I don't see them coming back to to beat this team. Not that this team hasn't blown a <laughs> a lead before, but I just Houston's way of playing. I think when we first started this, they thought that they were emulating the Golden State Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors, I think a lot of people are fooled what they think the Warriors do. The Warriors don't take nearly as many three-pointers a game. They just have the best three-point shooters on their team. So the fact that they hit, they take and hit crazy three-pointers, and I'm not talking about the amount, I'm just talking about the difficulty level of the stuff that Steph hits, people just, they've always assumed like, oh, a three-point shooting team won the NBA Finals. When they first started winning the Finals, shout out to you you and Tobias for always for always pointing that out, that yeah, the, go- cool. the Golden State Warriors are a balanced scoring team. Yes, shooting right. from outside is a huge strength of theirs, and they have the two best outside shooters possibly in history, but they get to the rack. They hit mid-range. They have post-game threats. Like, it's a balance. All people see, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like the dunk. You see a guy that dunks repeatedly and it's flashed, the three-pointer is now the flash. So people have in, imitated the flash as opposed to, to holding on to the substance. People have grabbed on to the icing instead of baking the actual cake. It, it, it's bad, man. It's bad. And and the Rockets have done it at a professional level. Yeah, it's crazy. Golden State in the 2018-2019 season was seventh in the league at three-pointers attempted per game. Um, to put some perspective in the number of it, the San Antonio Pops team is last in the league. They take 24.83 pointers per game. Like even 15 years ago, that was kind of unheard of. Um, unless you had a specialist on your team who was maybe in your lineup, like one of your stars was a specialist. Um, Golden State comes in at seventh. They shoot 34.2 per game. Houston shoots 45.2 three-pointers per game. Yo, that, yo, in that's the game so one where they were complaining, B, they took – no, not even took. They missed 11 more three-pointers than Golden State even took in that game. Like, 
They play themselves, man. Like they literally, we've always said the cliche, live by and die by. They literally live and die by the three. When Houston's not, that means Houston's hitting a bunch of three-pointers. When Houston's not, that means they're not hitting their three-pointers. And it means they're not adjusting to do something different because they're not hitting their three-pointers because they're the most analytical team in the league. And analytics tell you, you keep shooting it, you eventually hit some. And since they're more than two, more than what the other team is getting on every bucket, you will eventually catch up. And they live and die by that analytical logic. And this is why, in my opinion, it's going to be very difficult for them to ever break through and win a championship because they can just go cold like they have in big moments, and it just doesn't work out for them. Yo, well, it's, it's, it's bad, man. It's it's sad because I know it's going to sound corny and old manish, but they literally have kids and developing players watching and thinking that at some level it's gym okay. I walk into, kids out there heaving threes, not even in their and form kids. to shoot from the three-point line. They're heaving. <laughs> and, yeah, just just missing. Don't matter. And even if you make a few, like, they can't do anything else because as soon as they walk into the gym, everybody retreats to the three-point line to start heaving long shots. It's yeah, it's terrible. It is that terrible. So you are tuned in to Old Guy Radio. <laughs> if you want to talk to us about this, hit us up, Digital Extreme Technologies Hotline, 323 It's not even that old guy because, honestly, come on, remember what it was. We were two – no, I ain't going to say word because I still in. We are two three-point shooters. I shoot threes. But damn, you get, can't. That's not all you do on a basketball court. Like, come on, man. Ah, uh, <laughs> come on, man. Um. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I think Houston. I'm not going to disrespect them. Like they're not going to get a game. Um. I don't know. We might be surprised by the time they leave Houston. I leave there with two wins and bring it back to Golden State tied up. I know. For a fact in my heart, not for a fact, but my stern opinion is they're going to win at least one of the next two games coming up. Um, I think it's definitely going to take them holding uh, holding the fort at home and winning both of those games for them to even have a shot. They go back to Golden State down 3-1, then this series will probably pretty much be a wrap. You know, I saw I saw on another um, another sports show that imitates us that you know is inferior. Um, one of the points they made was, well, Clint Capella and PJ Tucker combined for six points and four rebounds as starters, and that was and that was terrible, right? That's absolutely like that's incorrigible. You you deserve no love. You're corny for being a professional player in a playoff setting, and that's all you can do. But then the point was also made that you can even blame that on the way the Rockets play and take a whole bunch of spray balls because the opposite side of that is Golden State ran three straight plays at the beginning of the game for guess who? Big Welvin. Getting Mm -hmm. Big Welvin involved 
and making Big Welvin feel and get him in rhythm, and he's a key. Big Welvin gives you 19 or 16 and 14 or 19 and 14. Which, which you should do for those guys. But, but because me, you know different. your big three shooters, they can get their shot like anytime they want. So you have to get other people engaged. How engaged are you when you know one or two guys are just going to come down the court and chuck nine times out of ten? Then as a as a role right. player, you are you know, I'm not I'm not hustling. Because first that. of all, especially Clint Capella, but you know because PJ Tucker, his only role offensively is to stand in the corner, wait for the ball, and shoot threes himself. So, right, him not having uh, a decent game that could mean that he's just not shooting well. Clint Capella, if if you say Clint Capella scored you know six points in a game. Before you even go to the box score to see what, see why Clint Capella only scores six a game, I implore you to go look at James Harden and Chris Paul's assist numbers. Because if true, their true. assist numbers are down, then you know Clint Capella is not going to eat because all he does is catch lobs and, and, and putbacks. So if they're not mm-hmm. dishing the ball – in, in a playoff setting, I would think, you know, sometimes those dudes, they think, look, our only chance to win is us. So we're going to shoot more. We're going to ISO more. Um, and there's a lot of three-pointers being taken. It's not a lot of driving and kicking. The only person I'm seeing going to the hole is Eric Gordon, and he's their best three-point shooter. not saying he's no, not launching too, but he no, goes to the Eric rack Gordon. every once in a while. Eric Gordon can't even dribble. And, yeah. he's going and you to the know rack. why, though? You know why he's going to the rack every once in a while? Because he's their best shooter. He knows they're expecting him to do that, so he switches it up. He adjusts. Harden just doesn't switch it up. Harden, of course, he's going to take you to the hole every once in a while, but that's just because the last five times down the court, he hits you with tween, 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 tween step back three. So at least one time out of the next six tween, 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 tween sessions, he's going to Know, give you a head fake like he's looking he's up at the tween, basket. He's going tween, 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 heavy spin drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Shut up. There's not a lot of lays in that. It usually ends with a step back three or a step to the side three. Um. So yeah, like they have to adjust, and they seem like they refuse to do that, and. It cost them, in my opinion, in Game Seven last year. No matter what you want to say about the referees. And it's costing them so far now because they're not getting blown out by this team. So it's like you make an adjustment a few times during a game and you probably can beat this team. But but they refuse, man. But, yeah, like I said, but P.J. Tucker, though, you know, they could be kicking out to him and he could be missing. But if Kunt Capella doesn't have double figures, that's on them most of the time. Kunt Capella isn't getting the ball you know, with his back to the basket and turning and making a jump hook. He's not getting the ball, facing up, shooting a J. He's not getting the ball, facing up and driving to the hole. He is getting spoon-fed when he has, you know, great games on the offensive end. So that that's definitely on them when Clint Capella can't get his man. Um, so speaking of whether or not the series is over or not, there's been a lot of pundits, a lot of talking heads like in this round, that were pom-poms, people who who don't know what that means, that's prisoner of the moment, twice, um, 
just quick to count a team out after a game one loss. Here's here's a an example for you. The Celtics blow out the Bucks in game one. Um, I think they beat them by like 22 points, something like that. Paul Pierce, I mean, we know what he has best invested in it, but Paul Pierce goes on TV and tells people that it's over. Never mind the Bucks won 60 game, had the best record in the NBA, you know, top seed in the East, home court Giannis advantage. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Never Paul mind Pierce that. Went on saying it's over, and a lot of people were panicking, saying, "Oh, the, you know, the Bucks might be in trouble." Now, I picked the Celtics to win this series in seven, but I'm not, you know, I don't care to be right. I don't think, like, I didn't beat my chest like that's going to happen because you have to respect the Bucks. So after Paul Pierce went out and said, oh, this is over, I don't know what the Bucks can do as if playoffs aren't all about adjustments in the first place, the Bucks come out in game two and slay the Celtics. I mean, they beat the good dust off of these dudes, and just 48 hours ago, pundits were saying it's over. 76 was lost to the Raptors in game one. And unlike the Bucks series, they lost on the road. This is kind of where Toronto, who's a higher seed than the Sixers, are kind of supposed to win games. A lot of people, Stephen A. Smith came out the next day saying, man, I'm afraid. The Sixers might get swept His partner Max Kellerman was right on that Same train everybody else Broussard Every every little talking head clip that I get Sent every day Sixers are in trouble I don't know What they can do Sixers come back Game two they leave Toronto in 48 hours with the home Court advantage (laughs) after The series was basically over My question and I and you know You know it's rhetorical because this kind of stuff is a big reason we started World Room Sports in the first place because we felt we weren't getting enough from our highly paid talking heads on our used-to-be favorite sports networks. You know what I'm saying? We felt that people were prisoners of the moment. We felt that everybody was a shock jock. Everybody was only in the hot takes. You know, analysis has started to get lazy because entertainment paid more than analysis and actual sports knowledge. All reasons that went into us creating this, you know, nine and a half years ago as is. But it's we've gotten to a point now, B, in 2019, where it's just absolutely ridiculous, man. Like, my question is, why is it so easy for these guys to come back from these hot takes the next day when they're quickly proven wrong? Like, why does nobody hold people accountable for this kind of analysis? Is it because people are that entertained? Because all you see on TV these days, hot takes and dudes screaming at each other. And shout well, out to it's Jimmy not in the chat the other day. Hot takes and people screaming at each other. People love it. It's not that people – how can you hold someone accountable for something being wrong if you have accepted that as not wrong or, even worse, for our younger listeners and younger audience, they don't know that it's wrong. They didn't grow up. They don't have anything to even compare it to. The folks in the generation behind us, in our generation at least, where we should be the ones holding media accountable for the, for the bull jive put out there, hot takes, 
and screaming. We we are those ones. And then the younger generation, think about it, they don't know a world where hot takes and screaming isn't the norm. Right. Deep analysis now is something that Peter <laughs> Peter King that's Peter that's Peter King. Ain't no young people listening to Peter King. Right. You know, we want to hear from Screaming A and and a show that I admittedly watch from time to time, undisputed. Uh, Uncle Shannon hop on LeBron's nards and, and skip say the most ridiculous things. It's entertaining. It's entertaining and that's that's what drives media today, so we are a rarity and exception. Yo, shout you out know. to Shannon because no matter what that and you know I I can't sit down and watch these shows, but people you know, do send me the clips every day. So, you know, if I'm sitting around bored, I'm gonna watch six minute clips. And no matter what they send me from Skip and, and, and Shannon's show. No matter what the topic is, they could be talking about saving the seals Whale. from the great white. Yes. Whatever. Saving baby penguins or something. Shannon Sharp will always set aside a few seconds or a few minutes in that conversation to gargle LeBron's balls. Like, I, I get it. I'm like, yo, I thought we were talking about baby penguins. I know we're talking Yo. about baby penguins. It's more like <laughs> <laughs> let me say let me say the good let me say the good, man. And the thing is we remember when Shannon Sharp couldn't even speak English. And so I'm proud right, of now that. Now he's using his English for, for annoying evil. <laughs> and and who knew that he was also had some black nationalist leanings, um and, and was as active in social issues as he is, yo, all the respect and love in the world. But, yo, I could never be a professional athlete, let alone, let alone a Hall of Famer, one of under a 1,000 people globally out of (laughs) billions, and give that much attention to another athlete's nether region. I couldn't do it. There's no way... If I'm in the Hall of Fame and I'm older than you and you're still playing, you my young boy. I don't care how good you are. You my young yeah. boy. I don't care. I Yo, Shannon. Every Shannon. clip he sets aside time, man. Every clip. They could be saying, yo, how come John Elway, you know, as a as a as an executive, how come he hasn't been able to get the Broncos a good quarterback call, since you guys were winning championships and Shannon will be like, the Royal penis is clean, your highness. Like, yo, what does that have to do with Joe, John he didn't Elway? call LeBron. Even <laughs> worse, nah, it's even worse, even worse, even worse than that. Yeah. Shannon will say Shannon's something like, yo, Shannon will say, <laughs> he's a bather, man. Yo, shout out to coming to America, one of the greatest pieces of cinematic art ever. Um, yo, Shannon will say something like, Yeah, me and LeBron, we we he patted me on the head while we were out suit shopping. Yep, I know you jealous. And you know he does yo. say we. He says we to LeBron like we say we to the Eagles or the Sixers My, or something like that. You know, no, yeah, we, like we say we coming out to LA. No, no he <laughs> says it he says it like you and I say to our sons. Like like he's the son and LeBron yeah. is the pop. Yo, Shannon, come on, man. We going to McDonald's, Daddy? 
But but anyway, like I said, like analysis has become this lazy that game after game, people are making these finite um, proclamations about teams, about players. Like it's crazy. And and I mean, these are professionals. They know a lot of these dudes have played the game. They know, especially in the NBA playoffs, that most of the games, you know, games are basically their own entity. And we've used adjustments. We've used that term in an NBA series to the point of making it damn near cliche. We know this game of adjustments. You know any good coach in the NBA series is not going to come back out and do the exact same thing that he did, unless your name is D'Antoni, in a game that you lost, especially a game where you were dominated and or embarrassed. You are not going to come out and do the exact same thing. So to after one game in a series, you know, you want to not give a team any chance, that's weird to me. And it's like everybody who said that this past week looked like a, a you know, looked stupid in two days. But like I said, there's no accountability for that. There's nobody holding anybody accountable. I not, hear a bunch of people culture. like, all right, we're all personnel. Yeah, I mean, literally, the Sixers were done. And then 48 hours later, they fly out of Toronto with the home court wow, advantage. Man, your, your, your I'm not keep it. And I'm not saying that they're going to win. But it your man Ben Simmons. I give more respect than that. Ben had a bad game, and he's a bust. Ben had a 31-point I mean, game, and he, yo, he's the greatest. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Exactly. Wow. That's how it goes. Ben, oh, he, he trashed. The Sixers are going to lose to the Nets. Ben had nine points. All right, hold my beer, <laughs> or hold my Jenner, hold my Kardashians. Get back, <laughs> come out there, wow. thirty-one, almost a trip dub, and it's it's we just living in a time of you know. We need to take time, out. We need to get a hot take because God forbid your hot take is right one day, you're gonna gloat about that about being a genius for the next you know, off season. <laughs> But as much as these same talking heads said that the Eastern Conference playoffs especially shook out just the way they wanted it to, they thought it was going to be a battle all year between these four teams, for people to, to come out after game one of both of the series and proclaim it to be over is I, – I can't find me. I'm like, this is what y'all wanted. This is the team all even, all damn near evenly matched. And we just panic. <laughs> we see one thing and we just panic. All right, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Sixers and Raptors will be back at it game three in Philly right after our program. Um, hopefully the Sixers can do more there. Let's go to the phone lines. We got a caller calling in. We got Rob calling in from Cali. Rob, got a few minutes left. Home. Rob, congratulations. 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 Uh-huh. Congratulations on what? On your Lakers, man, and the ownership moves they're making. Headed in the right uh, direction. Real, real talk to Rob, what is, have you heard, like, what is Linda Rambis's, um role with the organization? Why do you have uh, What have you heard? What have I heard? It's, it's just a lot of 
lot of confusion, man. I mean, some people, like I'm hearing right now about their split on Tyron Lue versus Monty, Monty Williams. Was so she a part of that decision-making, Linda Rambis? Oh. Uh, it's, like Kurt Rambis' it's wife, if, if you don't know who we're talking about. Like, why is she a part of the organization, I, and what I, is her role? I thought it was Kurt. Oh, I thought it was Kurt. Ram- you know, it was a Rambis. I didn't know it was Linda. I thought it was Kurt. Oh, you know no, more than me. Um, they said both of them are part of it. They're calling Linda right. P- and GMs are saying Linda Rambis is like a shadow owner. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but it sounds like she's I, I, in a lot no, of power. No. We don't know why. She, 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 All right. I, I don't, not, don't let us derail not, you. She's not owner. She's not. She, she, she's not owner. She's not like, come on, the Steinbrenners own the Yankees. The the buses own the Lakers. Uh, you know, like Magic Johnson, he he got God bless him, but he he want he wanted to be a bus, but you know what, bro? It's uh you 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 can have the, the massive <laughs> song. Yeah, so you wanted to be a bus, yeah. but you black. Come on, man, you don't look yeah. like that. <laughs> All right, so what you what you want to talk about real quick, man? Because we about to get out of here. Okay, 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 real quick. I I love what you're saying, man. People are prisoners of the moment, you know. Even even with the playoffs, I just keep seeing these memes at the one game. They're talking about how bad Kyle Lowry was at the one game. I'm just like, dog, why y'all keep doing this? But right. these are the times we're living in, and for the for 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 the regular people who actually watch basketball. Calm down for the, you know, uh, for people like like social media. Just watch, watch the fools act the fools, man. Now that's the uh, thing, though. Right? The thing is, you're exactly right about like the memes and social media. But when that leaks over to the programming that people are watching to get their sports knowledge, uh, you know, God bless the people that are doing that. But you know, when you when you're watching a professional sports analysts say the same thing that dudes on memes are saying that can't even spell, then you're in a bad place because it, 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 you know, it, it, everything it, it, has it, turned into entertainment rather than announced. That, now, of course, that, you, know, you can have a little, a little modicum of entertainment. Like, I, I hope people find us funny I, when we do what we do, you, but I, 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 I don't know I've been on this years ago. That's why I listen to y'all. That's why I listen to all the podcasters. That's why, uh, you, you know, World Sports, World Sports, Sports got different podcasters. You know, hopefully, the, you know, they bring back, you know, the, the Broad Street Lines. Hopefully, Hoop Girls or some other female yeah, we will are. jump up on that. that. The uh, network is coming yeah. back up, so you will hear those shows soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, like that. People got to look at alternative media, even with news media. People sensationalize. Oh, that, that 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 that's one thing about. Uh, I think I like the internet. You know, you go, you can look for the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like to somewhat, to a certain extent. Like, you know, people going crazy over. They were doing a coup over in Venezuela. The government's going crazy. I I was talking to a sister over in Venezuela. No, I don't like my president, but you know, we don't want no coup to happen. It ain't like, you know, people are broke, but it ain't like the government's starving us out. You know, the U.S. got sanctions. How about you lift those? You know what I'm saying? So it's people got to look out and, and seek out the truth. Like, uh, you know, like the Bible says, you know, you got to divide the word of truth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, like, oh, oh, okay, real quick, because I know you guys got to go. 
Uh, you got to go off the air. Um, the Eagles draft, I'm glad they got off of the tackle. I was now the second pick. I was surprised they got mm-hmm. a running back. I, I was surprised they got Sanders, and it was good. I mean, it, it was good. They got Philly kid. You know, the last Philly kid we got, you know, and and Beyonce come, come in and, and break that down. But, uh, I, um, yeah, as far as the playoffs is concerned, uh, I really like the – I really like the way Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's playing with a with an intensity, and you know that, that I'm, he's playing with the he's, he's playing with like a Mamba mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like a Mamba mentality. And, and, and I try to tell people like, listen, yo, Kobe, really, he he is like the the Yoda. You know what I'm saying? He'll go. He'll help you reach your full potential. The same the way he did. Uh, um, Kawhi Leonard, the same way he did Gaines and other guys. You know what I'm saying? You know, Kobe wants to play with ballers. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just how it is. If you want to be a baller, if you want to, if you want to be a great and legend, that's what you do. You know, so you get a legend, you play for. I also play for legendary coach, but you know, you get that tutelage, you get that tenure, and, and, and that's how I like about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is just balling out of control. Uh, uh. Joe Embiid, people should get mad that he takes three-pointers because he does have bad knees, so he's tossed that league on tight. He can't bang it up like the regular big dude. But if he, if, he had, if he was healthy, there's no telling. He might be, he might be a little I, – I might put him at the same time as Shaq. I don't know if he has – but, you know, he's maybe the yeah. same point as Shaq if he was fully healthy. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah he might be that knee. That knee – like that knee in Harden's eye, you know that could be that could be like playoff changers, you know, because if Harden is going out here and he can barely see, which you know I think might have been exaggerated anyway, you know they don't really have. I, a I, don't, shot. Feel sorry for floppers. Knee, I don't feel sorry for floppers. Turn back, like last last uh, game, he played the decoy role pretty well because when he's on the floor, whether you know, that knee is going good or not, or if he got gastroenteritis or whatever you had before the last game, if he's not feeling that well, as long as he's on the floor, you have to respect his presence, and it makes the other people, you know, it loosens them up to play a little bit better. So I think, like, the Sixers have a chance with a with an Embiid that's 100%, but I don't think Houston stands an, an, an ounce of a chance Without a Harden, that's not 100%. But, Rob, we got to roll out, so we'll wrap to you next week, man. All right, Rob. We'll see how these games go. All right, good brother. All right, yeah, so, you know, that, that that's – those are the two injuries that could that can do, you know, wonders for the playoffs in a good way or in a negative way. So those are the two things we got to keep our eyes on. And shout-out to the Joker, man. That dude has game. Uh, Nikola Djokovic from the Denver Nuggets. And the Nuggets in that game yes, seven with the Spurs, they showed me something. Um, so that that I'm I'm really interested in that series with the And the last question we're gonna ask before we get out of here, again, where the hell's Jason Tatum? Beige Mama Mamba, we're calling on you. By the time we reconvene, you need to be back up in the house doing the thing that everybody thinks that you can do. So thank you brothers and sisters for joining us for another briefing in the war room. 
Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat room on Facebook, Twitter, War Room Sports, Game Time on the Group Me app, and all the callers who called in to holler at us. Special thanks to Fred Purdue for joining us for a brief recap of the 2019 NFL Draft. Tune in next week, live right here on demand as we catch you up on everything happening in the NBA playoffs. We'll also catch you up on everything happening around the world of sports. So until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the start of next week, and we'll see you right back here next time. Same same place. Sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of the Blueprints book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. Until next time, don't accept mediocrity. And be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.